Amazon announced their new game streaming service, Teams for Life was finally announced, and everything else is canceled. Happy April, everybody. Kind of weird to say that March is now behind us. Brand Sam's here. And if you don't get that quick joke, you can go uh, stock the Twitter feeds and you'll understand why I just said that. But we are going to dive into the news this week. There was a lot, a lot was announced. Amazon has a new gaming service that they announced. Microsoft announced Teams for Life. Uh, there's Twitch news. There's Mixer news. There's all sorts of good stuff. And there are a ton of questions this week. So we're going to dive in. Uh, on Monday of this week, which feels like an eternity ago, Microsoft announced Teams for Consumers. Well, they actually announced a Microsoft 365 consumer and personal bundles that are coming sort of in April. So in April, or I should say later this month, Microsoft is going to rebrand Office 365 Home and Personal. And then later this year, they're going to introduce Teams for Consumers, which we've been referring to as Teams for Life, and then also a new family safety feature and functionality and apps and, and sort of stuff. So what you need to know about right now is, well, not a whole lot because we don't know a whole lot. First off, we know that Teams for Life or Teams for, for Consumers coming. It's going to have a bunch of features, but we don't know the depth of them. For one, it has a password manager, but we didn't get a good look at it. Microsoft really isn't talking about it. It is going to be a lot like what we see with Teams for the workplace, but it's just going to be for the, well, the consumers. And there's going to be some other unique features that are supposed to make it easier to communicate within your family and or close group of friends. The interesting thing is you will have one application. If you already have Teams on your phone, you've already got it. You'll just be switching accounts inside that application to jump from either work or personal stuff. So be on the lookout for that. Obviously, we don't know when it's coming. Microsoft said sometime in the summer for the mobile applications, and then it looks like a full launch sometime in the fall, which is kind of unfortunate given the circumstances of what's going on. It could actually be super helpful right now, but you know they can't. If they had a crystal ball and said, hey, this would be the perfect time to launch, I'm sure they would have done that. Um, there's also a new editor plugin, which effectively takes the editor feature out of sort of Word and then puts it into your browser. It looks great on paper, but in practice, I can't quite recommend it yet. Compared to Grammarly, which is probably the gold standard, uh, it, it comes up way short. So if you're using Grammarly and you're thinking editor is going to be a great alternative, you might want to wait a little bit, let this thing uh, mature a bit, and let Microsoft get out some of its initial kinks. You can go download it today and give it a shot, but it's not as good as Grammarly, at least out of the gate. Uh, Microsoft did announce Power Toys this week, or a new Power Toys update, 0.16. And this comes with a couple features. Um, one, improved multi-monitor support is there for now. Fancy Zones, which I hate that name. Um, but there's also a new feature called Window Walker, which what you can do is you can hit Control and Alt, and then you can basically type the name of the window you want to jump to instead of Alt tabbing. But what else you can do is also search. And so this looks like it's going to be more of like a spotlight search style feature eventually once it's fully complete. Um, but be on the lookout for that. And so you can go grab that update now and it's out. And uh, it's got also another a bulk image sizing refeature, which is actually kind of cool. So what you can do is take like, like highlight seven images, right mouse click, and then you can resize them in one little click and you have a couple options in there. The nice thing is, is that it's non-destructive. And so, yeah, you can uh, just go ahead and just bulk resize images if that's something that you need to do frequently. Uh, Microsoft has also canceled all in-person events for the rest of 2020. Not a big surprise here. Ignite is now going to be all digital, which is a bummer because I really enjoy Ignite, but that is that is no longer happening. So everything's going to be digital here on out. I'm curious how this is going to relate to some Microsoft Surface events. Uh, obviously, Microsoft, I've been talking about it for a while, was supposed to have a spring event to launch the Surface Book 3 and some other stuff. And 
And well, I think that might be pushed back a little bit because of all of the shenanigans that are going on. It's still expected. I just don't know exactly when now uh, because I don't think anybody foresaw this sort of an impact coming to the environment at the scale that it is right now. So it's still coming. I just we just don't know exactly when because everything has been slightly delayed. So uh, keep that in mind. The one interesting thing I'm curious about, though, while Microsoft just canceled all in-person conferences, I'm they typically have a hardware event in the fall, and there's some good things, I think, coming down the pipeline for that as well. I'm curious if they would actually do an in-person event for that if all of this stuff kind of blows out of here uh, in the next couple weeks to months. Hopefully, you know, I think we're all getting a little stir-crazy sitting in the house, but we'll see if Microsoft would do that in person. But for now, all their major conferences are in uh, or digital only, I should say. And there's actually some speculation that maybe even early into 2021, it might do that. I think we might see an entire shakeup of the Microsoft conference experience following this event. It's kind of a good time for them to, to, to step back and, and relook at all of their conferences, how they are planned, how they are executed. And if you're going to make big changes, well, after canceling all the in-person stuff, now seems like the time to do so. I'll be curious to see if anything comes out. Uh, other things coming out of Microsoft this week, they said that they have, I, I laugh saying this, they said they have 40 million daily active users of Skype, which maybe they do, maybe they do. I just want to throw out the stat that Microsoft also told us at one point they had 330 million daily, or, or maybe it's monthly, Edge users as well. And then they canned that product in favor of Chrome because we all know that 330 million wasn't accurate. The thing to keep in mind is that I believe that when you log into Windows 10 still, it automatically logs you into Skype, or at least it did at one point. And also when you log into Outlook.com, it automatically logs you into Skype as well. I'm not trying to like completely destroy that Skype isn't being successful or seeing growth during this time period because i'm sure it absolutely has but it doesn't seem to be on the same scale as nearly every other product actually zoom which has been sweeping the news for good and bad reasons actually uh, announced that they have 200 million daily active users uh, that's up from like 10 million in december now keep in mind that zoom is going through a growth phase it seems like zoom built a built a product designed explicitly for ease and now they're trying to work on clawing back actually security because they've had a lot of security related issues um, from people zoom bombing um, to stealing credentials to being able to just extract data out of it it's not a very secure product and they are being very transparent so they're doing the right things it's just that they're doing them in a reactive mode rather than being proactive and uh, but you know it depends it depends how you look at it like they've got the they've got the market share and the mind share now they can just add security and be okay but they've lost that security component um up front so you know move fast break things don't be secure sort of uh scenario so on to the gaming news phil spencer this week did an interview which we've talked about a little bit here but he said that hey the price is not set uh for the xbox series x they don't they're not announcing it yet it seems like they're very much waiting for sony he says that they're also flexible on pricing at this time and so we will see where the price finally locks down um pre-orders are going to be opening later this summer and so be on the lookout for that. And obviously that'll be a big day for Microsoft uh, when they finally open up those pre-orders. Everything is still on track. Um, he did say that they would not hold back the console if Halo Infinite was not ready. So if Halo Infinite gets delayed, which is a possibility, um, that they would not not launch a console because of that. So keep that in mind. But as of right now, the hardware is on track for a fall release sometime more than likely around like I would imagine October, November is what they've historically done. But with the market changing and shifting and all that stuff, things are way up in the air at this point. Now, Amazon has come out uh, with, a, with a new feature, a new product. They are entering officially into the game streaming market. Well, not quite yet, but they have a 
thing they're calling Project Tempo. Project Tempo uh, is going to be their game streaming platform. And so they're going to be releasing a game next month, actually a couple games over the summer as well. And so this is going to be Amazon's first steps into the game streaming market. Now, the Amazon is obviously not a new competitor here. They own Twitch, which we'll talk about in a second, but this has been expected and Amazon has a big, a big weight in the room when they come in with a product. And so it'll be interesting to see how we have xCloud, uh, we have Stadia, and then we were going to have Tempo or whatever the final product name is here. You know, it's better for the consumer. We have a lot of options. We will see how this all shakes out. I think it's going to put the most kind of pressure on Stadia. So we will see how good it is. Again, it's going to depend on a lot of things like latency. But Amazon has the, the infrastructure of servers around the world to actually execute like this. Not that Google doesn't. I mean, obviously, Microsoft does as well. So uh, it's going to come down to feature services. And as always, most importantly, games. So games, games, games are going to be big. It's going to be interesting to watch to see how Amazon, if they can like carve out a segment. The reason why I say that is there was news out this week about the streaming, not the streaming platforms, but the viewership platforms. And well, when it comes, breaks down, Mixer's kind of in trouble. So Mixer of all the streaming content assumed, and this comes from, uh, who is this coming from? Da, 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 da. Uh, by Stream Element provided the data. And now granted, I can't, I don't have a lot of insight into their data, but it seems like they are pretty well trusted. And so at a high level, they are saying that of all the streaming games watched recently, we'll just say it that way, uh, Mixer had 2% of the market. Now, Twitch had significantly more. Twitch had about 65% of the market. YouTube had 22% and Facebook had 11 But what I'm the point here is that Microsoft made massive investments in the Mixer by, by getting top name streamers like Ninja and a couple others. And it doesn't appear to actually be really moving the needle for the platform if all this data shakes out to be true. Microsoft is really hoping that Mixer can become at least a, that second position streaming company. But as of right now, it's fourth based on this data, which is not a good thing for Mixer. And I'm curious if Microsoft is going to be reevaluating how they approach this going forward, considering that these investments should be starting to pay off here in the near future, but they are not yet. Now, what's even kind of worse about this is that of all that stuff, of the content produced, Twitch had 72% of the hours produced and 65% of the streamings, which means they produced 72% of the total content out there streaming, and they got 65% of the total viewership. Mixer, on the other hand, had 17% of the total hours produced for streaming, but only 2% of the market, which means that YouTube and Facebook are producing less content, but getting more viewers, mostly because more people are on those platforms already. Now, the reason why this is important is with Twitch at 65% of the content uh, like watched and all that, if they're launching through Amazon, a new streaming service, they have a massive market already baked in. Twitch, we already know, is huge for game streaming. It is massive. You bundle in now game streaming on top of that, it's going to be, it, they have a, a much better platform for launch than I probably Google does. What Google does have good video and services through YouTube, not denying that, but Twitch already has a very segmented market of gamers who are then going to be advertised game streaming content directly into a service they're already using heavily every single month. I think Amazon is better positioned to be a strong competitor in this market potentially than Stadia is, considering that Stadia is not doing all that well by all indications. So it's going to be interesting in Stadia or Stadia. Uh, Amazon is also talking about interactive games, what seems like more like game show style things, potentially like, uh, I don't know, 
interactive games just basically stream through um twitch we'll see how that shakes out amazon is in a good position twitch is in a good position to capitalize upon this it's going to present a good challenge for microsoft and its xcloud and an even harder challenge for stadia we will see how all this shakes out but it has been an interesting month of uh, of gaming announcements so with that folks we are going to dive into the questions because there are a lot this week and shane says hey brad i know you've been uh, working a lot on the around the house and you got a new tv i was wondering if you could share or write up a reasons why you chose what you did so i ended up choosing an LG C9 OLED TV. The primary reason why I ended up choosing this uh, is because it was on sale. <laughs> Not that I had a budget, a budget that I was going to spend on a TV. And I had been looking and I was looking at a higher end Samsung for a while. And then the LG C9, it's a 65 inch, uh, went on sale for like 900 bucks off of what the original MSRP was. It, right around, it was like 15, 1600 bucks for it. And that is the primary reason I went for it is because I OLED screens are fantastic. If you've never seen black levels on an OLED, do yourself a favor and go go look at it because it looks fantastic. Um, it, it's just OLED TVs are great. Now you do have to worry about burning. I'm sure people are going to bring that up, but it looks like from all the data that's out there that as long as it's you're not watching CNN for 95 hours a day, which isn't even possible, or you know, it, continuously, you're not going to have to worry about burning. Uh, we our TV is very much mixed usage. I watched a movie on it last night between that and gaming, and it is a brilliant TV with a brilliant picture, and that is why I. Am ended up going with it and also because it is hdmi 2.1 which means it's going to work really really well with the xbox series x and all the features that are coming with hdmi 2.1 uh, compatibility uh, felipe says with the recent news of the xbox app on pc moving to react native making way and making their way to the microsoft store if microsoft makes windows 10x a huge success what do you think of the future of the steam and the epic game store could be uh, to make their way to the store as well so it's possible. I think that's a really big stretch, primarily because here's here's the deal with the Windows 10X gaming is still like a big unknown. Not not necessarily running games, but running anti-cheat software on Windows 10X is a big unknown because of the way things are sandboxed. And so those applications and even antivirus software can't really run on Windows 10X the same way it runs on Windows 10. And so I think that's the bigger question that we have to figure out before all that. So. Um, brother nod says, will Neo boot like a surface pro or surface X? Uh, I really hate the long way it takes the surface pro five compared to my iPad. It, their goal is to have basically an instant boot. Now the surface pro X boots pretty dang quick. I think instant resume is something that they're absolutely targeting and considering they already are shipping it on a surface pro X and all the latest Intel chips already support instant resume. It should, it should follow that model. Uh, Robin uh, asks, he says, for some reason, each time I turn on my computer, I found out my laptop cannot keep the Wi-Fi. You are not alone in this. Even though I checked the box to connect automatically, any idea how to fix it? So you are not alone in this. My laptops do this very frequently as well, where you turn it on and you have a little globe in the bottom right corner. I have yet to find out a fix. This is a problem with Windows and not your specific machine. Now, it could potentially be a driver problem. Maybe these are all like Intel drivers, but whatever it is, it's not your machine. It's either the driver or Windows 10 that is causing this because I am experiencing it too and you are not alone. Uh, Jonesy says, question one, uh, with the loss of in-person events like Build and Ignite, Microsoft is, uh, will Microsoft have problems getting word out about their new physical devices? I don't think so. Um, Microsoft has a massive reach. They have a massive budget. And so if Microsoft really wants to put an advertisement on every single platform at every single second, they have the ability to do that. So them getting the word out, I don't think necessarily is an issue. And keep in mind, other companies are facing this as well. 
Um, so do you think they would likely delay upcoming devices this year to help uh, increase the splash when the world does? No, I don't think so. I mean, Microsoft, if they really want to, again, can just ship out hardware to all the reviewers like they would anyways. Uh, the only thing they're missing is that single day of like, here's the announcements, here's the hands-on stuff, but they can mimic that um, just by seeding out devices. So and Tourniquet says, hey, Brett, now that Panos is the head of Windows for a little while, did you already starting to hear what his plans are for Windows and the direction Windows is going now? So we don't, so Panos, if you're not familiar, Panos Panay creates the service hardware or the leader of the service hardware, I should say. And so now he's leading the Windows Insider program and a lot of the Windows assets as well. We don't quite know. It's way too early for somebody to come in and kind of change direction. He has already appointed a new leader of the Windows Insider program. So that, that is his kind of first like rubber stamp on something. Um, but we will see what he has up his sleeve. But I would expect that some of the stuff he's going to be doing is going to be more tied to some of the hardware that they are releasing more than likely would be my guess. But these things take time to mature. If he went in and made several changes today like they're not obviously not going to ship in this release they're going to maybe ship in the fall but i think that that map is already uh been set out uh kadupa says hey brad can you call yourself brand sams <laughs> from now on all onward uh there's a joke odd lied uh calling me brand sam so that's where the intro came from i would appreciate this small token um there you go kadupa just for you so uh gordson says so we seem to have a good idea of the io and input output of the Xbox Series X, but there's something else I've not really heard about yet, Wi-Fi. I hook up my consoles directly to the router, so that's not really an issue, but Wi-Fi 6 seems like it should be the standard issue by now. I agree. So what he's talking about here is there are standards for Wi-Fi, and the next generation Wi-Fi standard is Wi-Fi 6, and so it is offering faster input-output, faster throughput. It's just a better Wi-Fi standard. So what Wi-Fi is running on the Xbox Series X? We don't know yet. I hope that it is Wi-Fi 6. Microsoft has not explicitly said uh, what it is. Granted, I'm personally a big fan of hardwiring. All of my Xbox consoles are hardwired, and I do recommend that just to reduce one variable of latency. I know that's not an option for everybody, and so I'm hoping that Microsoft is doing Wi-Fi 6, uh, as that is just a little bit of future-proofing for the next-generation console. Will R says, hey Brad, have you heard anything solid about some issues or concerns with the PlayStation 5? There's rumblings about the cooling system and throttling. So yes, there's a big kind of thing floating around of the PlayStation 5 is overheating. Developers can't take maximum control of the CPU, GPU because it's gonna overheat. Look guys, these rumors pop up every single time a console has launched. Every time, every time this happens, that there's throttling and there's heating. Now, I'm not trying to downplay because I can't validate that the PlayStation 5 is overheating right now and that Sony has a big issue and people are like saying, hey, oh, there's a reason why Microsoft went with that form factor. Well, there is, but Sony is learning the hard way that they should have gone that way too. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and a console launch. They can ramp up the fans. They can add water cooling. Granted, that's a late change design that could make things tricky. I can't validate personally that the PlayStation 5 is overheating and that this is an issue. We don't really know. Only Sony knows and maybe some key developers who are trying to tax the system right now. If it is truly overheating at like phenomenal rates, that's a big problem for Sony. But Sony's a smart company and they can likely figure it out. This isn't their first rodeo. This isn't the first time they built uh, a console. They know what they're doing. And so I have faith that they will get this stuff out the door in a way that is usable and will make people happy because we honestly, we're better off if Sony has a good console um, so that we have more options. So, uh, Triple Plate says, xCloud for Windows 10, will any game support mouse and keyboard controls or will all games be controller only? I believe they will support mouse and keyboard. I believe that is the intent. Um, I've, I've seen it used with a mouse and keyboard. And so it's whether or not Microsoft or more specifically, potentially the game developers enable it, but it, the functionality is there. 
Will says, any word on when we might expect to see Surface Book 3 announcement? Any news on the specs? So any new news on the specs? Like, I'm still hearing that the specs have not changed. Um, I would just go back and watch that video if you want to know about it. As for the release date, things are juggling, if you will, because of all of the stuff going on around the world at this time. Um, so it's coming. I don't know an exact release date when. Honestly, actually, I was expecting it to be right around now-ish sometime. Um, not quite confident that that is still happening. Microsoft's got some um, logistical challenges, as you might imagine, trying to get some of that stuff out. Uh, Jay Mackles says, probably uh, my favorite gaming accessory of all time is the Xbox Elite Series 2 controller. I am in this camp. It is expensive. It is the Ferrari, the Bugatti of Xbox controllers, but it is, it's a lot. It's really, really good. Uh, it makes me want more first-party Xbox accessories. Do you ever see Microsoft making a high-end pair of wireless headphones for Xbox or perhaps making next-generation service headphones have the Xbox wireless standard? I think you're on to something there with the last part of what you said. Um, the first generation Xbox or first generation Surface headphones do not support connecting to the Xbox platform. It's a crazy undersight. I don't understand why this happened. Microsoft, as you pointed out, already does make a high-end pair of headphones. It would make a lot of sense if those things would work with the next generation Xbox. I would buy one um, as long as the mic works, as long as you can just turn the dials. That would be really nice, Microsoft. If you're listening, um, Uncle Phil. Give us the Xbox headphones that we really want. Or at least make the Surface headphones work with uh, your console. That would be pretty cool. Uh, Kip says, is it time to, to press Microsoft and all other companies to, pro to provide real numbers and or stand by the numbers they promote for product usage? Uh, it's gotten to the point where these numbers have almost no meaning. Time for some SEC type action or real fact-based numbers, so no numbers at all. I think Kip, what he's pointing here is to like Skype 40 million, Zoom 200 million, Microsoft. Although Microsoft says, when they say Teams 44 million uh, daily active users, I feel like that one could be easier validated through Office 365 subscription usage. But for a free product like Skype or Zoom, which does is effectively free as long as you're joining a meeting and not hosting the meeting type scenario, I think you're, it's interesting because Microsoft, again, says they have 1 billion uh, Windows 10 PCs. We just have to take that at face value. Should should that be scrutinized to external audits that, to what Skip, what Kip, Skip, what Kip is pointing out? I, I'm not opposed to this. I think there'd be, I think it would be better for the market if we had a, a regulated way of reporting daily active users that was auditable um, so that you can truly compare this stuff. I mean, people are investing in it. I don't see why we shouldn't be able to. But right now, all we have are the marketing mouthpieces telling us these numbers, and there are really no true ways to validate them, at least at scale. S100 says, does Microsoft 365 consumer announcement mean there's no prospect of a Microsoft launching a fully fledged password manager in relatively near future? So what he's talking about here, and it's something I had mentioned too, in the Teams for Consumer video demonstration thing that they showed off, they showed off a password manager. Now, if we didn't get a good look at it, effectively what it was is showing how to share credentials, which would mean a password manager, right? It means you got to have it logged somewhere and all that good stuff. They would, like the covering, the announcements around it was so quick and so light that we don't really know because password manager is useless if it doesn't integrate with iOS and Android and the browser. Like it needs to be everywhere. It can't just be inside the Teams app. I would guess that Microsoft is probably working towards that, but based on how things have been announced and how they talked about it, I'm guessing, I'm guessing here that it's not going to be launching that way from initial. I actually have a couple questions into Microsoft about Teams for consumers and I'm waiting to hear back, but I'm not holding my breath. They're going to answer many of them. 
And then wrapping things up for today, Mr. PKI says, uh, wrapping up the end of questions, as always, do you see consumers and home users moving to Teams or will Zoom be the dominant platform? So it's a really good and interesting thought. The question here is, once we get through this little shenanigans that we're used to, is Zoom going to be the preferred platform or is it just sort of a flash in the pan because it's convenient right now and will other services spin up and be able to take it on? I don't know. I think Zoom is going to be pretty sticky going on after this. At least the brand name is going to be pretty sticky. Microsoft is going to launch Teams, which Teams does have good recognition, at least in the workplace. The question and this is a big one, is can Microsoft turn that team's business place momentum into a consumer product? They've had issues with this previously, but this is closer to Microsoft's bread and butter a little bit, but messaging has never been Microsoft's strength. So it's gonna be interesting to see. I think Zoom will continue to be pretty high up on the video conferencing thing. I think if I think there's one company that's gonna suffer the most from Zoom's success going forward, I actually think it's going to be more like WebEx, um, people doing webinars and that sort of stuff. I think that is going to be where you're going to see more like adoption of Zoom than say people dumping Teams because Teams and Zoom, while they do compete on video conferencing, they absolutely do. Teams is a much more like productivity hub type thing. There's a lot more data in there and it's a lot more sticky than say just the, the video aspect of it. Um, but for WebEx and people who are doing conference calls, Zoom seems to be the preferred platform. So it's going to be interesting to see here. It's uh, I, I suspect that somebody's probably going to try to buy up Zoom and try to build a productivity suite. There's there was news about Notion, which is a productivity app raising some money. I mean, you can imagine putting like Slack, Notion, and Zoom into a bundle, and you have a a communications, a video chat conference, and a productivity hub all in one. It's effectively an Office 365 competitor, you know, by bundling those three services together. We will see what happens there. It'll be very, very interesting to see how this all shakes out. As always, everybody, thank you for the questions. It's the best part of my week. And we'll catch all of you right back here next time. And this is Brand Sam's checking on out.